0: Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we'll be talking about a week of public events celebrating the U.S. Constitution. Since 2004, federal law has decreed September 17th to be Constitution Day and Citizenship Day, that, of course, commemorating the day that the U.S. Constitution was signed back in 1787. My guest today to talk about all of these things is Matt Ressing, a business law and ethics professor at the J. Whitney Bunting College of Business at Georgia College. Matt, welcome back to Georgia College Connections.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's my pleasure to have you here today. It's also my pleasure to check this box and make sure that we, too, are celebrating Constitution Day on the airwaves of WRGC 88.3 FM.
1: Very good, because uh, we are required by federal law to celebrate Constitution Day. It's not just a suggestion. uh, It is actually a requirement under law. So one thing I want to point out before we get into it is that this year, Constitution Day is actually not on September 17th, it's on September 16th, because the whole point is to have all public schools, or or rather all schools that accept federal funding, teach a program about the Constitution. And it's usually on September 17th, but this year that's a Saturday, so nobody's in school. So the way it works is if September if the Constitution Day falls on a Saturday, we kick it back to the Friday before. So this year, Constitution Day, Friday, September 16th, and then Constitution Week will be the following week, September 19th through 23rd. So we're going to have uh, spanning two weeks, a celebration of the U.S. Constitution.
0: All right, well, I myself... Maybe being flippant, but I'd like to consider you know the last 200 plus years to be a celebration of one of these founding documents of our U.S. government here.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I teach classes on business law and ethics, so we talk about the Constitution every day in my classes. But this is a chance uh, for students across the campus and really for the community as well to come together and and think deeply about these issues in a way they might not on a daily basis.
0: And I'm glad that you uh, started off our conversation that way, talking about the issues that surround um, our thoughts of the Constitution mm-hmm. here and uh, what it provides for, what it uh, leaves absent, what it leaves up to uh, future generations mm-hmm. to decide, what it's enumerated to the federal government, what to the states mm-hmm. uh, and to citizens like ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it it is not just simply a reading of the U.S. Constitution. It's actually a more in-depth application of the Constitution Mm -hmm. to our lives um, as we live them right now.
1: Well, we're going to do both. So part of the activities that we have planned for Friday, September 16th, are students from our local government association and the American Democracy Project, which is a student group on campus. They're going to be distributing pocket copies of the Constitution. We're going to do a reading of the Constitution, Uh, We're also going to break it up with some musical interludes uh, by Professor Dana Gorslini, who does the Tracks on the Trail program that has featured uh, here on WRGC. So she and her students are going to supply some music that has been used by the presidential campaigns, and we'll read from the document. But you're right, it's not just about the text of the document. It's about the way that it has been interpreted, the way that it has influenced our government, our society, for the past 200 years, in ways that are often controversial.
0: Why do we celebrate Constitution Day? I mean, in addition to the <laughs> fact that we are federally obligated to do so. Sure.
1: Well, it started actually as a promotion by a member of the press. So, as William Randolph Hearst was supposedly the f- person who first came up with this idea of having a national holiday celebrating the Constitution. But he actually didn't phrase it as a, a Constitution Day. He called it, I am an American Day. So it's an idea, we'll have a celebration of patriotism, a celebration of citizenship. That happened back in 19, uh, 1940s. So uh, Congress passed the original celebration calling it, I am an American Day. And it was actually picked up by the uh, U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service as a way of celebrating citizenship particularly uh, citizenship for new Americans. People have recently been granted citizenship. It wasn't until later uh, that it really became a, a celebration of the signing of the Constitution, and it wasn't until 2004 that it was written into law. Was sponsored by Senator uh, Robert Byrd and became Official Constitution Day. Uh, and at that point, it was put in the uh, omnibus spending bill, And uh, the Department of Education issued regulations saying not only do we want schools receiving funding to celebrate the Constitution, you must. So we'll make sure that we we check that box but also have a good time doing it.
0: And I'm going to ask you this question again at the end of our program today. But uh, from the outset here, before we get into the specifics, you know, what do you hope that the community will gain from this year's celebration of Constitution Day?
1: Sure. We talk a lot about the Constitution. We talk a lot about our civil rights and our basic rights as Americans. We talk about the, the purpose of our government. Um, often these discussions aren't academically informed. And we might think we know something about our rights, but we don't really dig into the source documents. We don't really dig into the case law. And when you do that, you find that we really don't know much about our rights. I think that that might be what I try and teach the most in our classes, is that the more you dig into constitutional case law and the way it's been interpreted for the last 200 years, it is very difficult to pin down exactly what your freedom of speech might entail, your freedom of religion. These things change with the Zieggeist and also with the interpretations by our top federal judges including the u.s supreme court and we've seen that just recently with rulings on same-sex marriage the supreme court found that that was a constitutional right something that you know a supreme court five ten years ago probably never would have dreamed of doing and that means that Our constitutional rights and what we are as a country is not just informed by the words in the document, but it's informed by history, it's informed by politics, it's informed by interpersonal relationships.
0: Well, we're going to take a short break right now, but if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're talking about the celebration of Constitution Day on September 16th and Constitution Week that following whole week here on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Millageville. Now, I want to remind everybody, of course, all of these events are free and open to the public, so they're not just for students. If this conversation is important to you, please come out and join us for this week-long celebration of Constitution Week. We'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, I'm talking with Matt Ressing, a professor of business law and ethics at the J. Whitney Bunning College of Business at Georgia College about the upcoming celebration of the U.S. Constitution on Constitution Day, which is Friday, September 16th, and then Constitution Week, which is all that following week. Of course, the Georgia College campus will be hosting a series of events that are looking at the U.S. Constitution through many different lenses. And in our last segment, we talked about this not being a resuscitation of the text of the Constitution, but really trying to look at the effect that it has on, you know, our everyday lives. So you mentioned earlier that you're going to be looking at a lot of issues. And I wanted to ask you if we could talk broadly at first about some of the issues that will be uh, featured in some of these discussions, and then kind of drill down a little bit into each one and talk about what people might be able to come out to Mm -hmm. see during Constitution Week.
1: Sure. Well, on the actual day, Constitution day, we're going to have a festival on our front campus. So this is really an open event where we're going to have student and community organizations that have constitutional themes or something to say about the constitution to really give their viewpoints. So I see it as really a marketplace of ideas where we're going to have all different types of activity and information. But starting the next week, Monday through Thursday, we're going to to be very issue-driven. So Monday, we have Chief Justice of the Georgia Supreme Court coming in to discuss the expansion of the Georgia Supreme Court. It's going from seven justices to nine justices and what that might mean. Tentatively, I'm hoping to confirm uh, very soon State Representative Alan Peake to come talk about medical marijuana. We've had a bills in Georgia that recently made the possession of marijuana for medical purposes illegal but with a lot of restrictions. Tuesday we have a Supreme Court review panel. This is something I do every year and the issues that are involved with that are the ones decided by the Supreme Court this last term. So we have search and seizure laws, affirmative action in higher education, uh, equal opportunity laws, health care, and uh, First Amendment political speech. Then on Wednesday, we will have a Times talk and then some speakers later in the evening, some legislators coming in to talk about guns on campus and uh, religious freedom bills. So two bills that were advanced all the way through both houses of the Georgia legislature last year, but then were vetoed by Governor Deal and may make an appearance again this year. And then finally on Thursday, we have uh, Jason Carter and Josh Bell Infante to come discuss the voting rights issues. So those are the broad issues we're discussing, medical marijuana, access to justice, the Georgia Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, guns on campus, religious freedom, and voter rights. I
0: guess it speaks to the way that the Constitution was written and the uh, mandate that the Constitutional Convention had. Um, At the time to create a governing document like this, that could be an umbrella over so many different issues Mm -hmm. and especially issues that, you know, now 200 plus years after the fact. We're not actually written into the document. Sure. Um, I guess from an organizational standpoint, could you talk about how you go and pick out what will be featured during
1: Constitution Week? Sure. I've been planning this event for about four years now since I first came here on campus. And I tend to pick the, again, it's limited to constitutional issues. So there may be a really interesting issue of state law or federal law, but it doesn't have a constitutional nexus. So I eliminate those off the bat. But every year there's a few uh, constitutional issues that everyone's talking about, and usually it's because there's a recent state law or federal law that tends to affect a lot of people's lives, and it's questioned as to whether it's constitutional or it relates to a constitutional right. So, as an example, uh, guns on campus—you uh, know, Second Amendment is uh, the right has the right to bear arms, but. You know, how broad is that right? Is it a broad right? Is it a narrow right? How does it apply when a legislature wants to allow weapons in certain areas but not in others? Uh, that's a big uh, philosophical debate that we've been engaging in in Georgia for a couple of years now. Is the Georgia state legislature has expanded the places where you could carry a firearm. And then religious freedom, of course, that's been a hot topic when people talk about gay rights, LGBT rights, and the rights of uh, commercial businesses to uh, express their disapproval of topics such as gay marriage or gay rights.
0: One topic that you mentioned is one that I don't think people are talking uh, enough about, and I think— perhaps may be indicative of the difference between, you know, the state constitution and the U.S. Constitution is this expansion of the Georgia Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Now, can you talk a little bit about how this came to pass? Uh, What were some of the thinking behind it and how it came to actually be enacted?
1: Well, this is an issue that flew under the radar for a lot of people, including myself. So I'm really excited to hear Hugh Thompson, who's the chief justice of the Georgia Supreme Court, talk about it. And he'll be able to fill in a lot more details that I can't. But the short version is that the georgia supreme court has seven justices or historically has had seven justices governor deal sought approval from the georgia congress to expand it to nine justices so to add two more justices on which would bring the georgia supreme court to the same number of justices as traditionally sit on the u.s supreme court and this was at least you know ostensibly done because of the larger number of cases going to the supreme court and this bill that, uh, or this executive order that allows him to expand the number of justices also does some things like shuffle around the cases that they hear versus the Court of Appeals. So it is being done for efficiency, or at least that's the statement coming out of the governor's office. Of course, our governor is Republican. Our Congress is dominated by Republicans. Some Democrats have said that this is a court-packing plan. This is a chance for Deal to put his stamp on the Georgia Supreme Court because he would nominate the justices, or he has nominated the justices that would fill these roles. Eventually, it would go into elections. Georgia Supreme Court justices are elected, but uh, when someone steps down or in a case like this, the governor gets to appoint the interim justices. And I think we talked about this on a previous show. Once you're, once you're in as a judge, it, you, you tend to stay in. It's, it's difficult to launch an electoral attack on an incumbent judge. So even though these justices that are being appointed will be up for reelection in so many years, you know, they've got a the home field advantage at that point.
0: Right, And I know we talked about this a little during the break. Governor Deal has a, a historic opportunity to really reshape the Georgia Supreme Court, not only because we're adding these two justices, but there are also vacancies he'll be filling at the same time.
1: That's right. So uh, Chief Justice Hugh Thompson, who's a Milledgeville native, uh, is actually retiring from the court. I believe, uh, at the end of the year. That's a vacancy that the governor will be able to fill. There's another justice that is retiring. So Governor Dio has the opportunity to fill two seats just because of people retiring and then two more seats. That's four out of nine. It's almost the majority of the court that he will get to pick.
0: Well, we're out of time again during this segment, so we're going to take a short break. But if you're just joining us, my guest today is Matt Ressing. He's a professor of business law and ethics at Georgia College, and he's here today to talk about Constitution Day and the Constitution Week celebration, beginning on Friday, September 16th, for the observation of Constitution Day and extending all the way to Friday, September 23rd. So we'll be right back to talk more about Constitution Day in our Constitution Week events on Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today my guest in the studio is Matt Ressing, who's here to talk to us about Constitution Day in the week-long Constitution celebration on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. If you weren't here for the beginning... Constitution Day is annually on September 17th, but that's a Saturday this year, so we're going to observe Constitution Day and celebrate it on September 16th, and then we're going to take that whole next week and have different events that are invited to bring people onto the campus and have them talking about constitutional issues and about this document that was at the beginning of our American Way life. Not factually at the beginning, but kind of in a prominence role. Send me your emails and I'll respond (laughs) quickly. Thank you for listening. Each year, you host a Supreme Court survey about the cases that were just decided upon in the last term of the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that that's probably, you know, first and foremost in your mind about what you're looking forward to this Constitution Week. But I thought to try to um, preview some of the other events that are taking place, I just ask you, you know, what next is on your list of must-see this Constitution Week?
1: Sure. I I generally tried to think of the Supreme Court review as the centerpiece of Constitution Week because it's the one that I I'm the, I put the most effort into. But this year we have so many luminaries coming to speak that, uh, you know, it, 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 they're really all these events are something that people should come out and see. Uh, I suspected this would be a great year to bring lawmakers to campus because it's an election year. So I thought, what better time to uh, send out a bunch of invites and get lawmakers to come talk to students. And we got some great responses. So I'm really excited about the potential for Representative Alan Peak to come talk about medical marijuana. You know, a lot of people are interested in that issue as it affects us, not here just in Georgia, but countrywide. This is one of those, these issues that's fascinating to me as a legal scholar because it shows you how uh, the Constitution, federal law, state law, local law, administrative regulations, case law, how they all work together or sometimes don't work together to, so that we arrive, uh, you know, what is actually enforced in America. So when you talk about this issue of just marijuana in general, but particularly medical marijuana, it is so hideously complicated because we have conflicting laws. We have laws that are on the books, but are not being quite enforced, or at least are, are low priority. Every state doing something slightly differently And we have right now an opportunity here in Georgia to observe a crusader in a way, uh, State Representative Alan Peake, who has taken this on as a mission to push for medical marijuana, which he feels is a humanitarian necessity. And he's visited with with children and adults who have uh, some pretty serious medical conditions and diseases that they feel can be uh, alleviated or or perhaps even cured by uh, medical marijuana. He's made that his mission for the past few years, and it's really interesting to see how that not just works through at the state level, but also this conflict with federal laws. So maybe we could talk about that for a bit. Right.
0: Yes, one of the things that I think is interesting about that, and you mentioned it, is um, this is a situation in which several of the states are in conflict with national law as Mm -hmm. far as drug policy. Another interesting facet that's specific to Georgia, and I think you might have mentioned, is that I guess... Possession of marijuana for medical use is legal, but that's about the only thing that's legal for this. Can you talk about what is not legal and some of the pitfalls that this sets up for anyone who would want to take advantage of this new carve-out from, um, I guess, controlled substance law here?
1: Sure. So in 2015, I believe, Representative Alan Peake proposed a bill and it passed in the georgia general assembly and and was signed by the governor it was called haley's hope act is what they called it and it was providing for the legal use of medical marijuana by patients who had certain conditions but they could only use it with certain parameters so it was the press got a hold of it as medical marijuana comes to georgia and technically that's true but It is, you know, the exceptions are so numerous. This was clearly a very strongly fought compromise to the point where you have to wonder who could really take advantage of this law. It's quicker to talk about what you can do than what you can't do, because you can't do most things. (laughs) Well, we can't (laughs) fill out a segment with what you can do, because I think we've already talked about that. (laughs) So so, uh, recreational use of marijuana, of course, is not going to be legal, is not legal under this law, and is really not even on the, uh, the plate for the next few years. What's trying to be pushed here is use of medical marijuana. And it's important to understand that when we're talking about medical marijuana, nowadays we're talking about very particular strains of marijuana. So it can be grown in a way where the THC levels, that's the psychoactive component of marijuana, are very low to the point where it is not giving you a high, but it still has purportedly the medical properties that would help quell seizures that might give relief to some other conditions like Crohn's disease. So we're not talking about marijuana as you might think of recreational marijuana, uh, a completely different you know, a plant, uh, or at these grown in a completely different way. Now in Georgia, you can have a certain quantity of cannabis oil, this low THC cannabis oil. The amount of THC has to be very low psychoactive component. You have to have it within a special container. you have to have a prescription from your doctor. And if you have all the—and you have to have a certain—you uh, have to be on a list of certain diseases So there's about, or conditions. So there's about seven conditions that you can have, uh, including cancer, Crohn's disease, Parkinson's disease. So you have one of those conditions. You have a, a note or a prescription from your doctor. You have your low THC oil in this special bottle, uh, and you are—a cop sees you with it. They will not arrest you in the state of Georgia. That's what this law does. What it doesn't do is help you get that oil. There is no way to cultivate it. It can't be grown in the state of Georgia. There's no legal way to import it into the state of Georgia. So all this law really says is if we catch you with this bottle and you followed all these rules, we will not arrest you. But, you know, a lot of people, including Representative Peek, say, well, this doesn't go far enough. Now we have to figure out how people can can obtain that bottle legally.
0: So really, it's In a way, it seems like it opens the door for a lot more unlawful activity under uh, circumstances in which people are just trying to... Address these medical concerns within a a legal means, but it's, it's really one where it's like a Pandora's box You allowed one part of this puzzle in and now we're scrambling around searching for the other pieces Which may not even in fact exist.
1: Well, you could argue that the compromise in a way Ironically encourages illegal activity because prior to this it was just illegal And if you wanted to be able to use medical marijuana legally, you had to go somewhere else And that was what this was designed to remedy, is people with children uh, like Haley, their parents would take them out of state to Colorado and say, well, we can't live in Georgia uh, because I can't get the medicine for my child. And the idea of Haley's Hope back was, well, let's bring those people back. Let's give them a chance uh, to be here. Of course, they still have to get the cannabis oil from someplace like Colorado or someplace out of state. So, uh, you know, to use it legally in Georgia, they have to obtain it and transport illegally from somewhere else. And I don't think that was ever the intention of the original bill that Representative Peake proposed. And since then, he has been proposing bills for cultivation of Mer- of this low-THC oil in Georgia so that people could obtain it legally. And that's what I expect he's coming to speak about on Monday, September 19th.
0: Well, unfortunately, we're about out of time for our whole show today. And so I thought I would just ask you, how can people find out about all of the events that are taking place? Is there a website that they can go to, a Facebook page, um, etc.?
1: Yes, the American Democracy Project at Georgia College will be hosting these events. Uh, By the time this interview airs, I will have given them the final schedule. I'll also be printing up posters and and putting them around town. So I do want to reiterate, this is a community event. Uh, I encourage students, faculty, and staff to come, but I also encourage people in the community to come. On Friday, walk around, take a look at some of these tables, see what your fellow citizens are doing related to the Constitution, and then Monday through Thursday, September 19th through 22nd, please come to these events, hear your elected officials, ask them questions, learn more about the Constitution and the way it applies in modern society. Well, Matt,
0: Thank you very much for bringing this conversation to our radio audience. My pleasure. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we were talking about the annual celebration of the U.S. Constitution. Here on the campus of Georgia College, we'll be celebrating not only Constitution Day, which is observed on Friday, September 16th, but we'll also be having a week of events um, throughout the next calendar week looking at different aspects of the U.S. Constitution within our life and the different issues that it hits upon. So we hope that you will come out and enjoy these events and join with the rest of the campus and Millageville-Wallon County community in celebrating this incredibly important document in the United States of America. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. I thank you for spending a portion of your evening with me here on Georgia College Connections, and I look forward to convening with you next time.